I'm someone who loves trying out different makeup looks, but doesn't really wear much on a daily basis, so I like to focus on making sure I have high quality staples. And whether you like a fresh face, full glam, or somewhere in between, you've probably seen Thrive Cosmetics Viral Tubing Mascara. I've certainly seen it everywhere, you know the one in the turquoise tube? So that mascara, along with all of Thrive Cosmetics beauty products, are certified 100% vegan and cruelty-free, which I look for in makeup, and they've got excellent quality to match. And something I didn't know from all the mascara videos I've seen is that for every product sold, Thrive Cosmetics donates either that same product, another product that is needed more, or a monetary donation. They've worked with over 500 nonprofits to help with a wide range of causes like supporting cancer survivors, people experiencing homelessness, education access, and so much more. Knowing that makes me feel even better about using their products. And I do enjoy using them. Like I said, I like having high quality staples, and so my favorites are products that are multi-purpose, like the Brilliant Eye Brightener. It comes in a bunch of colors, and I like using them as eyeliner, eyeshadow, and even highlighter. Thrive Cosmetics is luxury beauty that gives back. Right now, you can get an exclusive 20% off your first order at thrivecosmetics.com thrive. That's Thrive Cosmetics, C-A-U-S-E-M-E-T-I-C-S, dot com slash thrive for 20% off your first order. Hi, this is Ramin Sakurai from Supreme Beings of Leisure. Hey, and this is Dennis. And uh, you're listening to Rebel Radio, and Dennis wanted to say, fuck you, Josh. <laughs> <laughs> what's up this is rebel radio what up what up this is dj newmark this is peanut butter wolf it's your boy it's okay keep checking out rebel radio rebel radio this is rebel radio we're in the place right here uh, rebel radio is going down would you say rebel radio oh wait let's do it again Re -re rebel radio what's up rebels welcome back to rebel radio the weekly show where i bring you the rebels who are shaping our culture i'm your host josh levine Today is co-hosted by my man Dennis White, a.k.a. Latroit. Uh, he was our first guest on the show some eight years ago, and he's been on a few times if you want to go back in the archives and hear more about his story. This one's a little less of an interview and more of uh, three friends sitting around drinking wine and just talking shit. Our guest today is Ramin from Supreme Beings of Leisure. You might remember them as one of the seminal trip-hop acts from the early 2000s, late 90s. Uh, they just released their new album, 22. It's out now with a remix of the song Desert by Latroit, uh, which I think is coming out this week. We get into, you know, a lot of history that, that Dennis and Ramin share, uh, having gone to school at Berkeley School of Music together and their friendship and collaboration and this sort of collective that they've built with, with other friends over the years. And, you know, I think we, we really dig into what it means to have your crew around you, people you can turn to for advice or inspiration or feedback or, or all that stuff, which is obviously super important for any career. I know it's been uh, essential for me. We geek out a little bit on, on some music stuff, and we talk about how Ramin has managed to keep a career together through band changes, label challenges, technology, all that stuff, basically just never giving up. Let's get into it right now with Ramin Sakurai from Supreme Beings of Leisure. say it gratuitously, you have made a masterpiece here, Ram. You've made a timeless masterpiece of a record. It is a really good record. I've listened Thank to you. this Thank over you. and over and, and like you, you can't the magic of this record is you can't time stamp it to when it was released yeah, and made. Totally. It is timeless and that is hard to do. It takes real gravitas as a producer. Well the cool thing is we're going to find out how you do it. Sweet. Okay. <laughs> That's why we're here. All right. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, great. So wait, let's do it. <laughs> How do you guys know each other? Oh. Um, so we met pretty much the first day of school at Berkeley College of Music. Mm -hmm. um, 
I I went to Berkeley. I was accepted to Berkeley when I was in tenth grade of, in high school, Ooh. and then I went I went there like the summer before I met him. Okay, and I became friends with this guy named Krishna. Seems like you would have been better than when I met you. Yeah, you nothing has changed. Seems apparently, like, seems like you would have been a whole lot better when I met you. I just based you got a year ahead of me, and that's as good as you were. Years. Um, <laughs> but uh, so we were like, hey, let's you know, next year when we get out of high school, let's be roommates. So we were in this class called Listening and Analysis, which is basically like 300 kids in a Sleeping. Auditorium. <laughs> I mean, all my classes were like, 300 kids sleeping. Or at least yeah, I would in a, sleep. In a massive auditorium, basically fresh out of bed, you know, with their hair all besheveled and shit like that. And uh, so Christian and I are walking into this auditorium because they're kind of lining us up to like, okay, you guys go in the front row and everyone's kind of, as they're walking into the auditorium, they line us up to our seats. So Dennis kind of cuts in between us. And so we, you know, my roommate and I couldn't talk to each other. We had to kind of talk around this guy. Sounds about right. And so. You <laughs> had <laughs> yeah, no shit. This guy. Always in the middle of things. Button is awesome. You're welcome. Uh, but um, so we became friends with him, right? Is that how it was? No. Keep telling. Keep I think Krishna told me one day, hey, that guy Dennis we sit next to is looking for somebody to, you know, like a bass player for his band. Why don't you give him a call? And at that time, there was no cell phones. Or we didn't have any phones in our dormitory. There was, like, basically a sure. pay phone at the end of the hall mm -hmm. that you had to, like, stick a dime in and make a phone call. So I call him up. Hey, what's up? Hey, I live down here. Give me a, you know, come by. And at the same time, Krishna's like, hey, he's got an apartment. We should probably rent it out. So we, I go down there and, and he's, his main objective is I need a bass player for this band. Uh, so I, I, I'm like, so what's up with this apartment? Blah, 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 blah. Okay, yeah, it's three bedroom, three bedroom. I'm like, well, this is a huge apartment. This is great, right? So he, he's trying to get me to play the bass and he, he has this fretless bass and, it, and that's like really the way to see if a guy really knows how to play the bass because it's like it's, there's a bit of precision involved sure um and i only knew like two or three songs that were fretless based songs and so he goes play something and i'm like hmm, okay and i just went like in high school i learned this song called screen kiss by thomas dolby i just sat there and i figured it out and it had like sliding harmonics and all these kind of like uh, intervals like tenths and all this kind of, well, I don't know if it was tense, but uh, uh, so I started playing it for him and he's like, wait a minute, whoa, 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 you know that song? And I said, yeah, he goes, you got to show me this song. And I said, sure, you know, and I started showing him how to play the song. And he's like, okay, you're in the band <laughs> and you don't want this apartment. <laughs> <laughs> He was just straight up at that point. That's so amazing. We, we had this, like, from that point on, That's amazing. there was like this kind of, we, we, we maintained this kind of connection throughout the last 35 years or so where there was like a group of what we would say like sexy Music from that time, where it was like Thomas Dolby, Talk Talk, David Sylvian, Roxy Music. Like there was like a certain, like certain bands that we gravitated towards, and we shared this common interest with mm -hmm. these bands. And we're like, you know, like fuck, what if one day, you know, like if there was. Well, anyways, we had like this weird thing about like Tears for Fears, like all these weird '80s bands that had this certain vibe. And even to this day, we still share these commonalities, I guess you could say, with, with these particular types of music. It would be like music you can make love to and 
you know, whatever, that kind of stuff, like sexy. Or imagine other people. <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't happening for us. The, musical voyeurs. There's, I'm going to steal a John Mulaney thing right now. I, in college, I was, uh, I was um, sexually experimental. Uh, the experiment was to not have sex the entire time during college, and uh, I was very successful at that. Help me welcome a new sponsor to the show, DraftKings. If you're a regular listener, you know I don't like to load us up with too many ads, but once in a while I want to bring you something I think you'll like. College football fans, are you ready for week one? DraftKings Sportsbook is hooking you up with a can't-miss offer to start the season strong. This week, new customers can bet just $5 on college football and score $200 in bonus bets instantly. Just like in life and business, anything can happen in college football. Your team can go from unranked to dynasty mode in just a couple years. Change comes fast. The only thing that's a lock is the great offers from DraftKings Sportsbook. Life's more fun when you're in on the action. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use the code REBELRADIO. New customers can score $200 in bonus bets instantly when they bet just $5 on college football. Only on DraftKings Sportsbook with my code REBELRADIO. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort, 21 plus, age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. See dkng.co slash football for eligibility, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Bonus bets expire seven days after issuance. Eligibility and deposit restrictions apply. There's a big lesson before we move on in what you just said that I think people overlook, which is if you can, if you can play two or three songs really well, no one's going to know you, that you don't know anything else. That's true. Right? Yeah, I mean, unless they ask. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, if you, could, if you could go up and show what you can do for two or three songs on a fretless bass, no one's going to question your ability beyond that. Yeah, that's true. Let's hear a fourth one. <laughs> yeah. No, that doesn't happen. No, no. Right? People go into a job interview or a meeting or a project or whatever, and they, you know, they're like, oh, shit, I can only, like... No, just fucking nail that shit, and everyone will just assume I, that you I know everything. I picked the right song. Yeah. I'll tell you what, but that, that, That's from big. that one song, like, that was, like, the foundation of the beginning of our relationship, and thereon, like, and especially, like, bands like Talk Talk, we really connected uh, with each other and a, a few other people that we know. Even to this day, where it's like we had this night where we get together and we ha we share a vinyl night. Okay. And we, we sit here in, in the living room and he's like, guess what? Guess what I just bought? And he bought the Spirit of Eden album. Was it Spirit of Eden? Yeah. Uh, and uh, he bought it like a fresh vinyl mm. of Spirit of Eden. He's like, I'm not going to open this up until you guys come here and it'll be like the first play. Nice. So it's Duke, who's also a, a friend of ours from Berkeley from that time. Yeah. And we all connected together through bands like this, you know what I mean? And even when I worked with Dennis in Detroit back in, what was it, 89 or something like that? Um, the day that record came out, uh, we all... We all, him and his band Charm From at the time, we all sat on our backs in his studio just to listen to this record, and we were just, I guess, floored. <laughs> literally floored. We were already on the floor on our backs, but literally we were floored by this record. And so, you know, like these little connections, you know, with bands like this kind of, I, I don't want to say it kept us together, but like it, it gave sure. us this connection. So, so let me ask you this. What's the last record that floored you? <sighs> you know, it's funny because, like, we live in a day and age now where most people just put out singles. Right. And the, the, 
record, like the art of making a record where there's like killer artwork and you know, you know the liner notes and that's becoming sort of a lost art form in my opinion. But I gotta say the Kendrick Lamar record kind of floored me. Okay. Um, even Kanye's record was pretty darn good. Uh, you know, and I say this because my son is a, a hip hop head, you know what I mean? He loves Drake and I'm like, look, you know, Drake is like a single guy and I'm more of like an album guy. And sure. I like the concept of an album where it's like writing a book or making a movie and you have the chapters or the scenes <clears throat> and all that stuff. Mm -hmm. And it's like this collective work of art. Um, but I would say Kendrick's album was really great. Stunning. Really great. We, we actually listened to it here on one of our vinyl nights. We were listening wow. to okay. some of his music, and that first song off that record with that beat was just like amazing. What about you? Uh, the new Odessa record. Yeah? Okay. It's a beast. Wow. My friend Eric mixed that. Yeah. It's up for a Grammy for it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, Christy's now saying Eric that's too. the best show she's ever been to. We, we went last month in, in uh, Mountain View. It's up there. All right. It's up there. But, uh, but yeah, it's a good, it's an album. I'll check that out. I'm excited to listen to it. I haven't listened to it as a full body of work yet, but I really admire <clears throat> this guy, Eric J. Um, nice. His mixes are really special to listen to. Um, so it's neat to hear you say that. That's yeah. Cool. Nice. That's great. That's cool. All right, so we'll get more into that, but but take us back to the very beginning. Do you, you remember the first record you ever bought for yourself? Yeah. Well, my mom bought it for me. The first... We're well, going to see if this qualifies. The first rock album. But like, you chose it. Well, yeah, kind of. Okay. Um, and actually, I think she chose it for okay. me. And there was a song You're bending that the rules album a little, that freaked but me right. the fuck out. Because I was about, I was very young when this record came out. It was Rolling Stones Black and Blue. Okay. And, you know, I think there was like a disco song on that record. And then there was a song called Hot Stuff. Uh-huh. And just the vibe of that song kind of gave me like, like, it kind of freaked me <clears> out a little bit. Like, just the vibe of it. But uh, it was that record. Okay. That was like the first one. And I, I remember like distinctly, it was like, you know, Mick and Keith. And Keith is facing this way and Mick is facing forward. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's a cool record. Yeah. What about you? <clears throat> I think it was, uh, the one I can remember was uh, Tell Me Tomorrow, Smokey Robinson. Seven Inch. You chose that record? Yeah, yeah, I chose it. I don't, I'm not... I can't swear it was the first, but it's the first one I remember. Okay, what was your discovery of Smokey Robinson? Oh, it would have been Urban Radio, well, so KSOL, San Francisco. Wow, that's yeah. amazing. I mean, before that, it was like Cool and the Gang and Commodores oh, and dude. Gap Band and all yeah. that shit. I just never bought those. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, that's all pretty much I listened to growing up. I mean, my parents' music was rock and folk and whatever, and so I listened to some of that, but then, you know, what I heard around the neighborhood. That's uh, awesome. Yeah. Well, I'm sure I've sold the story to, to Smokey Records. I bought it. You know, it's 49 cents or 29, whatever a seven-inch was back then. Yeah. And, I, you know, you play it 100 times, and then I was done playing it. I was like, you know, that... And so I... Like, I turned into a Frisbee. I didn't realize that a record, <laughs> that you needed to keep a record beyond. It's inside. Yeah, I, mean, I like yeah, broke it. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I don't still, I, that's the only record I think I did that with. But, hmm. yeah, I was like eight or something. I don't know. That's great. Uh, yeah. You? There was a, a summer where Cheap Trick released a record live at Budokan. Mm -hmm. And that was, that was it, that was the record. Um, and I had saved up $6.99 to go buy this record yeah. at Harmony House. I went there with my dad and I uh, sold out. Couldn't yeah. get that thing anywhere. So I bought whatever the studio album before that was, maybe, <laughs> maybe Dream Please or maybe something else. I bought it and I came home and I was just ready to love it. Because obviously, if they sure. made Live at Budokan, everything they did had to be great. 
Oh man, and I just kept getting sadder and sadder the entire time. Is that I listened to it over and over, waiting for it to kick in, and it just never kicked in. Yeah. So my first, I bought a record story is just a story of disappointment. Really? So what was the moment when it became a career? Oh, that's God, years and years later. Um, uh, well, I guess uh, just after I m met Dennis, I, I dropped out of Berkeley and I was more interested in production because while I was at Berkeley, um, through Dennis and just listening to records and stuff like that and I wasn't just interested in playing the because originally when I the first time I went to Berkeley I was a guitar player second time I was a bass player uh, and then I became I because I couldn't get into the MP&E program because my SAT scores are too low <laughs> uh, I became a synthesis and sampling major okay I just started that year and MIDI just kind of came up a couple mm. years before that. And um, what was the first time you got paid a memorable amount of money to make music or do something musical? Ooh. Well, that was like 12 <clears throat> years after that. I mean, what probably. Was what was it? It was probably when I got signed with Palm. Well, how'd you amazing. get that album deal? <clears throat> oh, gosh. All right, so uh, that demo. God, this is crazy. Um, <laughs> That demo, uh, we had, we'd made a hundred CDs and a few cassettes. We passed them around, nothing was, we, we had a lot of interest because we didn't send out um, our photos and people didn't know what we'd look like. And I don't want to like, I don't want to put people on the, on the spot in, in the industry or anything like that or what, you know, but because Trip Hop was so new at that time, Nobody could figure out if we were a white band or a black band, and that's sort of how things are, were ran, at least at that time. Sure. In the music industry, there was like a white market, a black market, yeah. and that was it. Um, so, still, still to some extent. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, so we sent this demo out. We got a lot of interest. We had 18 labels that were kind of questioning, you know, where are we going to play next, blah, 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 blah. So we had a... We had a uh, uh, a showcase set up at the Viper Room. All these people showed up. We played. It was dead after that. Like nobody, nobody wanted to sign us. So I had turned. What, you, what was the problem? Well, I personally, what we what we found out later through somebody that worked through Virgin was that uh, they just didn't know how to market us mm -hmm. because none of us were white, none of us were black. We were like Indian, so, Persian, Japanese. So where are we in the, in the trip hop arc at that point? Like where? who was out? Oh, just basically just Massive Attack. Okay, Portishead. Uh, Portishead, and that was yeah. it. This Shadow, is like, this is like 96, 97, 98. Okay. Uh, not even DJ Shadow at that mm -hmm. time. I don't think he, he did his thing at that time. And um, so uh, we played this uh, this thing. We nothing after that. I was like, I'm gonna give this a year. If nothing happens in a year, I'm out. Like if by the time my birthday next year, I'm gonna have to really reconsider what I need to do because I don't think I can hang in there for much more than that. Uh, so <laughs> a year goes by. I'm doing the clowning. I quit my job as a career, all that stuff goes yeah. on. And um, then this, I, I was just so fed up with the clowning thing because like kids are like kicking you in the butt and like, you know, doing like crazy, it yeah, was sure, bad, it sure. was bad. Like, just like the movies, you know, where you're, you're just getting harassed. And so uh, the license comes through for that movie I had enough money to pay for rent for three months. And at the end of that, we got the record deal with Palm. 
we had a deal with uh, we had a deal on the table with this company for Virgin, but it just wasn't enough money because we had signed a we signed another deal with Moonshine mm -hmm. and we wanted out of that. So a mutual friend of ours, as you do, yeah, a mutual friend of ours who's a lawyer, his name is Arish, he got me out of this deal under the condition that we would owe them 15,000 bucks to get out of this deal. Uh, and um, so we're like, there's no way we can make a record for this amount of money and take a year off and right. do things. So we had that deal on the table and um, a friend of ours named Bruno Guez, mm -hmm. who ran a label called Quango, as well. He was working for Palm at the time and he's good friends and also works with Chris Blackwell. He's like, send this demo to this girl, Chena. And I'm like, oh God, this is our last demo. It was literally the last really? CD. We pressed 100 CDs, we sent them all out. Last one, <laughs> sent it out to her. So if any of you have those CDs out there, they're <laughs> super fucking rare. Um, no kidding. Yeah, and so uh, she loved it. She came into town. She's like, I want to see you guys. Where are you playing? And we're like, we got nothing lined up. Uh, so we, we got a rehearsal room, played for her. I was like super sick that day. So I was like, you guys pack my shit up. I'm going to go home. Anyway, she's like, she called our lawyer the next day. And she's like, I want to sign these guys. What's the deal? Our lawyer, and the deal with this band that was 60,000 bucks for the Virgin Mm -hmm. um, and our lawyer, his name is Steven Sessa. I probably shouldn't even be saying this because Palm is probably going to be so pissed. We can cut that out. Yeah, but um, he says... Keep it in. <laughs> he says, yeah, they got a deal for 250000 bucks from Virgin and they nice. owe 15000 to Moonshine. So two sixty five, you got them. And they're like, yeah, no problem. Sure. So they signed us for two sixty five, and I was like, what the fuck? Are you serious? Wow, that's great. And then they gave us a, 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 a publishing deal on top of that for another 250. So we had enough money to hold ourselves off for another year and, and I could buy equipment and all that stuff. That's fantastic. Yeah, yeah, it was great. I mean, and it was, and you know when I signed, put my name, name on the dotted line? The day before my birthday, the next oh, year. Oh, no way. <clears throat> so it was one That's of those cool. things where it was like, the, it was like this cosmic lesson yeah. That you should never fucking give up your dream. Cause it may come at the very last minute. Yeah. So that was that was my experience with that night. From that point on, I, I was like, I'm never gonna fucking give up. Ever. Never question. Never question your, I mean your your you know, cause your it'll test your patience to no end. Sure. I mean that's great. First of all, you had a good lawyer. Yes, yes. Because, you know, a, a good lawyer should know that 60 grand or 250 to a company like that is, there's no difference. And, yeah. and I with, mean, maybe and, now and, 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 nowadays it is. But maybe, back then but, it wasn't, maybe. But, you know, but what they care about is getting something and not losing it you know, to a competitor. I got to give credit to Chris Blackwell because he was the only guy that could see through the color barriers and the whole thing. And he was like, he didn't give a shit about that. Whereas, like, all these other American companies kind of did. Yeah, uh, I mean, that was going to be my question is, what do, you think, what do you think they got that everyone else didn't? Well, I mean, we sold <clears throat> close to 300,000 units for mm -hmm. one, which is good for a band like us, uh, especially with no real touring or marketing. It was all based on... Um, I, the way we marketed ourselves was basically basically through the internet, which was pretty much in its infancy at that time. And, mm -hmm. you know, we had a really good... The artwork seems to be, like, one of the factors that people gravitated towards. So, like, we had uh, displays at Virgin Records, and, you know, a lot of people were like, I bought this record just because of the way it looked. Sure. And this is something that... Like going back to the lost art form of making an album where artwork, liner notes, all that shit is that the packaging is, you know, when you have an album and you can actually hold it and it's like this tactile thing and you can look at it and hold it and hear it and, you know, put it on, you know, that experience is 
getting lost. I mean, which, so... Well, maybe not so much now because people still love to listen to vinyl, but... Well, I wonder if it is, right? Because uh, in some ways, the visuals are more important now. Right, because how are people going to discover something through Instagram, through TikTok? You know, but the they're going to discover the, it visually. When it's, when it's this big on a screen, you know, the thumbnail thing, and you know, there's not like a thing you can pull out and look at like the the yeah. ch the, the sure. lyrics and you know, and and read who did what, you know, because that was like a big thing for me, especially right. because I got into production and engineering and whatever. Like, who played the guitar? Who played the bass? Who? You know, like, you would be surprised who would be on these records, like... Sure. What was it that Chris Blackwell understood about your group that other people that passed on it didn't understand? Well, I think he just... It wasn't... I, he just liked the songs. It wasn't just a... How do we market these guys? Because there's a, you know, Puerto Rican guitarist, an Indian bass player, a Persian-Japanese, God knows what, keyboard player, and a Dominican singer. Mm -hmm. Which nobody really would know. You would just look at us and go, where the sure. fuck are these guys from? You know, like, it was just one of those... I think people just didn't understand who we were and where we were from. And um, he, you know, and also at that time, when we started recording that record, Jerry was pregnant. And we were scared to tell him that. Jerry Soriano, by the way. Jer Jerry Soriano. That's yeah, James Soriano. Oh, you might be related. <laughs> yeah, somewhere down the line. Mysterious chemistry, someone's cooking in the kitchen. Yeah, jump ahead to, to this record. So how how does you go in the studio in 2022? What is how does that sound come together? Uh, well so uh, the difference when I guess did you start this project. Uh, uh, well, I mean, so this is our first album in 14 years. We haven't done anything in 14 years. Yeah. Uh, but I always kept writing ideas for it. Mm -hmm. um, throughout the years, I would go take trips and just do these writing. I would wake up at 4 in the morning and just write, 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 write throughout the day. And then, you know, I'd be in Italy or wherever and just write. And um, so I acquired about... I think songs that eventually became tailored for SBL, I, I got about 50 or so ideas to show Jerry. So when the time came out and I kept asking Jerry, hey, you, let's, get, let's do a record, let's do this, let's do that. She just wasn't ready. She was going through some personal things like divorce. She had a divorce that she went through recently. Um, but uh, uh, eventually I... Around 2018, uh, I showed her these 40 or 50 or so ideas, and we, you know, cherry picked through those. We got down to about, eventually, about 16 of these ideas. And um, when we kind of laid out the, when I laid out the record and just kind of was like, eh, that's a pretty good record. Uh, uh, we decided to bring Rick back into the band because our former guitar player, Jeff, just kind of disappeared, unfortunately, because uh, he's such a fantastic guitar player and musician. But um, so Rick came back into the band, and I would love the, both of those guys to be in the band. That would have been that would just make the best. But he came back in the band, and I was like, you know what? Let's just replace these songs. So I took up took out about half the half the record, half the songs, and we eventually replace those songs and um, that's what we have now mm. yeah but we wanted to kind of uh, revisit certain sounds like the guitar sounds from the first album uh, certain kind of retro future type type vibe you know uh, so that's pretty much how, how it went. Um, as far as the difference, like, you know, now, like, you can, we can do everything at home. Yeah. Whereas the first album, we're doing everything on tape and 
transferring things from Pro Tools and our demos to, you know, that were also on tape to Pro Tools, then on another tape, and sure. it was like a, just a technical. Oh yeah, it's much easier now. Yeah, it was a technical mess. I bet. Yeah. Yeah. So. So you, you said Rick came back in the band, so you guys broke up though after the first album, yeah? Yeah, after the first album, uh, we had personal issues with Kieran in mm -hmm. particular, um, unfortunately. And Rick decided to kind of go off with Kieran and do a new project called okay. Bittersweet. Uh -huh. And um, Jerry and I kind of broke off and did our own thing. Uh, what, what do you think you learned about partnerships, relationships from that experience? Me? or Yeah. Uh, well, I think we all kind of learned that uh, it, we all have to be kind of giving. Um, it has to be a team effort. It, it can't just be this, uh, I did this, I did that, blah, 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 mm -hmm. blah, blah kind of thing. You know, which which kind of what, it, it, what happened in the first album, like we're all just kind of fighting over stupid things. Yeah. Uh, and it Bands wasn't are, really like, hard. it wasn't like, it, I didn't really care personally. I just wanted things to just keep going, and so did Chris, uh, Chris Blackwell, that is. And um, uh, but he eventually understood that it was just not going to work out. So we broke it off, and uh, they went their separate ways, and everything was somewhat cool. I, I, I think Jerry would disagree because there were some things said on the publicly that mm. they shouldn't have said. Uh, Rick never said that stuff, but Kieran did, uh, and. So when Rick came back in, we always stayed friends with Rick. It was just, there was always, he, the door was always open for him. Uh, so he gladly came back and everything, you know, because we're much older and more understanding and sure. like, you know, we just want things to work out and we're doing this album for the, for the, for the fans that really have been asking for so many years. Like, there's yeah. the next record. Yeah. They're not asking for the next single. They want a record. Yeah. You know, and, and, and that says a lot because we're an album band. We're not a singles, you know, we're not like a, the type of artist that just puts out singles, single singles, and then says, all right, here's your record, and none of the songs really kind of work together. Uh, but the funny thing is, is if he heard like one song and then another song from this record, it's like they all don't kind of work, but when you hear it in order, it does kind of work. So yeah, that's cool. Yeah, yeah. So uh, still making records. <laughs> um, so what are we doing in between? In between this record. Yeah, I mean, I since, think uh, it's, it's been doing for fourteen it's, years. It's, uh, uh, well, so you put out four records, right? In, yeah, in twenty-two years. A lot of that time, I was doing music for TV and film. Okay. And uh, then my, unfortunately, my parents were not doing so well physically and mentally, and I had to take some time off to help them out, and just juggling, you know, between those two things. Sure. And I mean, for me, family always comes first. So yeah. That was. Uh, and unfortunately, my father passed away a couple years ago, but he was super supportive, always supportive, and so was my mom, and. So when I told him, I'm like, I'm going to do another Supreme Beings of Leisure record, he was pretty happy about that because he loves the record. Nice. And he was always like, why don't you have more ho horns on your album? <laughs> <laughs> you need more horns. So I was like, all right, I'll make more horns on this record. <laughs> Good call. <laughs> yeah. That's great. Well, uh, I buy that. Yeah. And Dennis has been super supportive as well. Like, Yeah, so you guys have like this little collective, Dave. Yeah. And He's been very supportive. So uh, tell me about that. How the the um, just kind of how you support each other, and and you know wh what role does that play for you? Having your guys that you turn to for well, there's a gravity to being able to lean in to friendships that go back 30 years mm -hmm. that is uh, special and unique and really valuable and fruitful and 
It's literally like um, planting a seed and then 30 years later, what's the tree look like? Sure. And when it's a sapling and it's younger, it's a little all over the place and yeah. who knows anything can happen. But when a tree becomes established, it is a matter of record. Mm-hmm. And there's, I'm not entirely sure how to describe what it's like beyond comfortable and secure and creativity into what you were saying earlier about just um, sort of giving more towards it rather than sort of taking to it and keeping score who's doing it whatever, whatever. Right, right. Right. Um, creativity doesn't have an age. The interesting thing about creativity is that in my experience, um, you know, it ages nicely like wine that's been well taken care of over a period of time. That's the neat thing about creativity. I work with a lot of friends from 30 years ago, but I also work with uh, artists who are younger in their 20s coming up. Sure. And it's interesting to have a disproportionate relationship to younger artists when we're just dealing with each other creatively. Right. Everybody's the same age creatively. Mm-hmm. There's something interesting about that. Um, yeah, and also, you know, like we'll, we'll ask each other... Uh, you know, hey, how does this sound to you? Like, is there something I'm missing? You know, and there's this level of trust that I can count on him to, or Duke for that matter. Mm. Like, what do you think of this song? Like, I feel like I'm missing something. And we'll kind of analyze and be frank with each other. Like, uh, you know, maybe you should change this, maybe you should change that, or whatever, but... It's like ears you can trust because you've known them for so long, and right, you know, you, like the track record and so forth. You know, we you know what to expect, and sometimes the most unexpected things may come out of it. As far as advice, it's like, oh shit, I didn't think about that. You know, like, wow, yeah, okay, cool, I'll try that out. Sure, yeah. If you push against a young tree, it's gonna bend a lot. If you push against an established tree, it's not really going to bend that much. So if you tell a young tree, if you push against it and say, this song sucks, it's going to bend over and that's going to have a huge impact on it. Sure. If you tell somebody you've known for 30 years, uh, you're not going to say this sucks, but like, yeah. no. Yeah. It's, it's, it's not going to bend, it's not going to affect you that much, and you have absolute trust in the good nature and good intent of, of comments like that. I love it when a brand comes along and supports what we're trying to do over here. So I'm super happy to have DraftKings involved as a sponsor, and I think you're going to like their offer. College football fans, are you ready for week one? DraftKings Sportsbook is hooking you up with a can't-miss offer to start the season strong. This week, new customers can bet just $5 on college football and score $200 in bonus bets instantly. As you know, anything can happen in college football. Your team can go from unranked to dynasty mode in just a couple years, just like your business, your career, your life, all of that change comes fast. The only thing that's a lock is the great offers from DraftKings Sportsbook. Life's more fun when you're in on the action. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use my code REBELRADIO. New customers can score $200 in bonus bets instantly when they bet just $5 on college football. Only on DraftKings Sportsbook with code REBELRADIO. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort, 21 plus, age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. See dkng.co slash football for eligibility, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Bonus bets expire seven days after issuance. Eligibility and deposit restrictions apply. So when you're making this new record, how, how conscious, I mean, music's changed a lot and it hasn't a lot, right? And You know, I so, try not to get too influenced by outside music. I, I, how do you do that? By not listening mm-hmm. to other people's stuff. Yeah. I'll just put myself in a room and just be like, okay, what do I feel? Yeah. And just 
we wanted to really kind of revisit certain sounds from that first album to kind of give it that nostalgic, you know, re revisit that nostalgia from that first album. And even like their artwork is sort of a kind of a revisitation from that first album. So you know, there's a song, our first single was called Full Circle. So we wanted to have this kind of like, hey, we're doing this full circle thing. Rick is back in the band. We're kind of bringing back some of our older sounds. Because our last two records, we kind of went off on a, you know, a trajectory that just uh, kind of went just way out there in mm -hmm. a way. And this record is a representation of all three of those records. Like there's a bit of all of those three albums on this record. Yeah. So I think this album, I think, is the clearest definition of our sound. Uh, and I really tried to make that like very apparent, <laughs> which took some time because to make all those different sounds work together on a, and that's the beauty of making a record because if you're just putting out singles people would be like what the fuck you know like what is all this like why is there a rock sound rock song and then a chill out song and sure then, but when you listen to it in order it kind of works yeah so uh, you know like we have a lot of guest uh, musicians on this record that kind of helped us kind of uh bring that sound out mm -hmm. uh, and a, most of those guys have uh, appeared on our past records or other projects as well um, like uh, like Marty Friedman for instance I, Marty Friedman's the guitar player for Megadeth okay and you wouldn't expect like Megadeth no, and Supreme all. Beings of Leisure to kind of do something together together at last <laughs> yeah 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 <laughs> Marty's a Marty is a fucking genius, man. Yeah, that's cool. Guy's a genius, genius. And uh, same with Lily Hayden and mm -hmm. a lot of these other people, Satnam Ramgotra, and uh, like, and they did this for no money. They do this for no money. They just do it just to be a part of it. And, nice. Um, and we had a few other people like Rami Jaffe, uh, Jaffe from Foo Fighters. Uh, so, I mean, it was just a blessing, really, like, to get their flavor in there, you know what I mean? Because it, it just added so much more. I bet. I would have never done some of the things that they did. That's why, I mean, that's the fun part of being a producer, is you can just, like, bring friends in that have this flavor. Sure. You know, it just added the spice. It's like cooking. And that's why we did the cooking thing today, because there's this parallel with cooking and music. It's like, add this, add that, and then you have this new dish. It's like the, and then let's have a little wine with it to kind of wash it down. You know, it's, it's, there's that parallel. Yeah, I mean, I think there's something about enjoying the process, right? Because what you're talking about, like, you know, you could easily have, have probably done all of it yourself in the studio. It with, wouldn't be the same. Samples. I'm not saying it'd be the same. Yeah. But it, it'd be a lot easier. Yeah, yeah. True. Right? It'd be faster and cheaper yeah. and yeah, yeah. whatever. And, you know, by the same token, you could order out a great meal or, or <laughs> yeah. you know, <laughs> yeah. right? And, yeah, yeah uh, exactly. But I think there's something to enjoying the process, yeah. right? And, the, and sharing the experience. And this was all done during the COVID lockdown. So it was like, Oh wow! It was it was sort of like okay, let's send this to Japan. Yeah. And then Marty lays down his track in Japan, sends it back. So you know, same with Lily. Even though they're right around the corner, and you know, uh, uh, Rami is out in the valley. Um, it just made sense. It just made total sense, and yeah. it worked out very well, thankfully. But. Uh, yeah, I'm super grateful for those guys because they added just so much to it. It was like, holy cow, this is a different song here, you know. So this song right here is uh, the one with Marty. Mm -hmm. And we had Durga McBroom and this girl Monica Reed singing backgrounds. Durga's uh, one of the background singers for David Gilmore and Pink Floyd. Oh, cool. So I told her, I was like, hey, you know, at the very end when Marty does a solo... Just do that great gig in the sky thing, you know what I mean? You're like, whoa, you know, 
uh, and she did it. Nice. It was like, holy cow, like I never thought that, I would have never imagined that. Uh-huh. But because she was there and I was like, oh man, you know what? Like just go off, just ad lib, just do that. It just worked out. And the funny thing was like I did a full charcuterie <laughs> board for her and she, and she lives in Italy. So she was like super oh, appreciative cool. of that. Yeah, she was like, bring out the salami. She loved it. Nice. <laughs> That's so cool. So yeah, and so, what's the vision for this record? Are you gonna tour? Yeah, yeah. Hopefully, yeah, yeah. I think so. We're gonna put together a live band. I think this time, because for the last three albums, I uh, tours, I was the keyboard player. Mm-hmm. I think on this one, I'm gonna be the bass player, and we're oh, okay. gonna get because I suck at the keyboards. <laughs> I just. I, I'd hate to tell you, Dennis. I, I just suck at it. I'm noticing a theme here. <laughs> I'm a better bass player than a keyboard player, I think, but just slightly better. Okay. <laughs> like I said, I'm like the jack of all trades, master of none. So it's kind of, kind of that. <laughs> all right. Yeah. But yeah, I think it'd be a cool band. Originally, I was gonna play keyboards. Adam Dorn was gonna be the bass player. Okay. Adam Dorn is the. Uh, the uh, <coughs> fantastic bass player, also known as Motion Worker, he's oh uh, yeah, he's a really great film composer and um, super super talented guy. But he moved, he ended up moving to New York, and he's just like you know getting in more of the composing world now. So I don't know if he has time for touring with people like us. <laughs> <laughs> She's like, no, no, what are you talking about? But yeah. Never know. But back to promotion, you're, and back to what you were saying about visuals earlier. So the visual aesthetic has always been really important to your project, to your music project. And Absolutely. the aesthetics, you know, I don't know if you've seen any of the SBL stuff on Instagram. Yeah, yeah. Post. Those uh, aesthetics cool. are yeah. incredible. Yeah, there's a. a a guy that we have been working with, he he is uh, Jerry's brother-in-law. His okay. name is Andy Moretta, and I mean, he, his eye is just amazing. He's a Clio Award winner, uh, works for Kawasaki presently, uh, but he has been gracious enough to offer his services for us and put together our... You know, like we need his eye on everything, sure, pretty much because he knows our aesthetics. And um, when it comes to uh, photos, videos, online posts, he's sort of the director of everything when it comes to that. I, we just we trust his. And you did the animation for Happy People. Oh, cool! That my brother Chris oh, directed. Didn't know that. Yes. Oh, wow! Okay. He did, and yeah. his animation and my brother's direction was massively influential in the UK 20 years ago in advertising. So mm-hmm. we did this little music video for some dance music song. Amazing. And advertising just sort of yeah. took it and ran with it. But that's to his eye. Yeah. You know? yeah. 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 He had this... He was sort of like the pioneer almost of flash animation videos for music. Okay. Yeah. Uh, so when we did Never the Same, you know, because back then there, the bandwidth for internet was so so bad that you could only get away with kind of flash animation sure. to really keep up with that. Yeah. I don't think it was even DSL back then. It was No, it was 13 frames per second though, more or less. And yeah. it, it just occurs to me now that will be a look. Yeah, you should, do, you yeah, should do, yeah. make your shit look exactly like yeah, that. Right, why like not? That yeah. It's your look anyway. Yeah. But in a way. Yeah, in, that, a way. Uh, in cycles yeah. of 20 years, that's... Do it before I do. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> um, yeah, I get it. And, and that's kind of what I was saying before, that you know, in, it's changed, right? You're, you're 100% right. Kids are not sitting the way we were and opening up the gatefold and reading all the credits and all of that. But the flip side is... Everything is more visual now than it used to yeah. be. Yeah. So Romina and I are going to go to Westwood and uh, put flyers on cars. <laughs> yeah, yeah. 
Mr. <laughs> well, what I what I think you have going for you is that um, you know there there is an audience who remembers the band or remembers the time or the the era and has the money to spend for for a great night out, right? And isn't out five nights a week, puts out one night a month or two, mm. and and will go have a really memorable time and spend real money. And sure. you know, they're not. It's not the dollar drink crowd. No. Although I don't no. know, is there a dollar drink? Is it, I think it's yeah. not a ten dollar drink crowd. <laughs> um, <laughs> but uh, you know what I mean. And so yeah, obviously it's great to catch some young fans. Yes. And we have, we have. There's some people that are discovering us now. That is, it's and it's interesting to see that. Um, and some of my son's friends are sharing the music now, which That's is cool. really interesting because they're yeah. like, wow, this is really cool. Um, but again, like you said, like things are super visual. So it's yeah. like, uh, I think our next step is to just make, to catch people's eyes now, mm -hmm. you know, because that's what it takes. It's not, the music is one thing, you, you need the full package. Sure. Um, and the platform, so, uh, and cater to that platform, whether it's TikTok or this, that, YouTube, whatever. And keep them engaged, which is super tricky. So That's the hard part. <laughs> mm. Well, tonight was a big step. <laughs> yeah, thank you. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> thanks to you, man. Thank you. Yeah. Let's do a lightning round. What's that? That's where I just ask questions and then you take as long as you want to answer them. Oh, okay. What movie have you seen the most in your life? The lightning round. This is where you Probably just, you the just go like this. Oh, okay. The original Matrix. Mm -hmm. How many times? Yeah, really. yeah, really. Because like, I'll I'll put on something, like I love Star Wars. I love The Matrix. I'll put it on and not even look at it, but because sure. I'm so familiar with it, it's like yeah, yeah, okay, it's know. something boring to watch right. so that I can work to it yeah. without. And and it's almost like I'm scoring to it in a way, mm -hmm. um, which is kind of ironic because I I actually had a song in this Animatrix series. But um, I just love that fucking movie, man. That and I like The Mandalorian, which is a series. Mm -hmm. So I'll like put that whole thing on and just work to it while I'm with the with the sound down. That's okay. What about you? I don't really know. It's ne it's definitely not a movie that I put on. It's a movie that's just on. Really? Yeah. Like you know, I so right now I'm 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 hoping it's Trading Places. Oh. Nice. Okay. I fucking love that movie. We watched yeah, it last night. Yeah, it's a night. great movie. It's in our, you know, at least once or twice a year rotation. Oh, okay. My son loves it, so that helps. Um, but, you know, it's like that, or it's like planes, trains, and automobiles, or, you nice. know. Nice. Okay, It's I get just it. one of those movies that, I, I think it has to be a holiday movie, because yeah. it just comes on yeah. multiple times. And, like, you, you know, you, you see it on the guide, and you, like, it's halfway through, but you just tap in and finish it, yeah. or you, or you watch it and then you go do something else, whatever. Okay. Movies that you play on purpose, because that does not fucking count. No, it counts. That's the point. It doesn't count. It's just on. Yeah, that's it's the just, point. It's passive. But you on. don't turn it off. Hmm. Okay, fine. What about movies that you think to yourself, you know what? I'm a grown adult. <laughs> How about I make a decision for myself? Well, you taught me something recently, which I'm actually... is, is Don't do that. No, it... It was good, which I'd never thought of, which is that you watch a movie and you like it, so you watch it a couple more times right away. Yeah. Which I thought was cool, because yeah, you get more, that was your point, is you get more the next time you see it in the next, but I usually wait a few years and I think, oh, I can't watch that again right well, now. Well, there's I a just... thing that happens where you feel like if you know how the movie ends or what happens in yeah, it, yeah. you don't have to see the movie anymore. Which is a stupid idea. The whole spoiler thing is stupid because the songs that we love the most are the ones that we've heard the most. Well, no, that's true. <laughs> right. No, sure. one, no one's like, don't spoil that song for me. <laughs> <laughs> that's true. In, uh, you know, in, in a movie, in any frame of a movie, there are 
five things that you can fully pay yeah, attention sure. to. Uh, the, the direction, the sound design, the score, the acting, the lighting, uh, the cinematography, there's six. I mean, you could just keep going on. Yeah. My brother Chris, who's a filmmaker, gave me great perspective on a way to get through the worst movie ever is just to understand that the people that are working on this movie are giving it their best work. So ignore yeah, the those shit people that are, obviously suck, but there are people that are trying really hard. There's something that is good that is happening yeah, there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, yeah. and he's right. He's yeah. right. You just, once you find, once you identify that, that's enjoyable. And if you have a movie that you like, Guy Ritchie's one of my favorites. Sure. Oh, sure. Dude, I'll, I will watch, uh, I've seen Snatch and The Gentleman no fewer than 80 times. And every single time I watch it, there is something to, the wardrobe, yeah. something mm -hmm. to dial into. Yeah. And, and the people that are working at the height of their craft in film, every one of them are all trying to tell a story with what they're doing. Sure. If you really tune in to the wardrobe, they're trying to tell a story about what that guy was doing that day or tell you something about this dude. Everything serves a narrative purpose, or a lot of it does. That stuff fascinates me. And once you really geek out on it, it's just, it's, it's a rabbit hole. Okay. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh. Um, who's somebody you've learned a lot from that you never met? Oh, well, uh, I would have to go back to guys like Trevor Horn. Mm-hmm. Just because I've analyzed his music so much, and uh, uh, well, I've tried to emulate some of that, but you can't really do it without his gear. <laughs> um, but uh, hmm, yeah, Trevor Horn, probably guys like that, like nice. from, from back then. Yeah, sure. Yeah. What about you? Oh. Uh, I don't know, Seth Godin, uh, uh, who do I read? I mean, I, so it's, it's all shit that I read. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Who else do I read? Stephen Covey, fucking, uh, I don't know, yeah, just reading. I try to read everything I can. That's great. What about you, D? You know, probably people with, with YouTube tutorials. Right? <laughs> I don't know their names. You're absolutely right. I just right. type in, like, how do I use this new thing on Ableton and click? <laughs> Under five yeah. minutes, this guy. <laughs> so those dudes. There's an author that I'm really into, um, uh, Joe Nesbo. He's, he writes, he's a Danish, uh, Norwegian. Crime writer. Okay. And um, he's got this s series, I think there are 10 books about this, you know, great cop who's an alcoholic. And uh, I'm always fascinated by like flawed people, obviously. Um, <laughs> but, <laughs> um, <laughs> Fascinated by me, <laughs> <laughs> but you know. I think we got something in common here. <laughs> but like, how do you make how do you make ten books interesting, right? And the same character. And you know, I, lately I've been like, how do you make us? You know, we're both huge Seinfeld fans. Like, how do you keep something interesting for that long? Right. How do you make a music career that lasts, where you have to reinvent and come yeah. up with new ideas and make shit that's that's. Fits together, but it's not the same. All of that, I'm, to, yeah. that fascinates me. So what was it for Seinfeld for you? What do you, what do you think kept that going for nine seasons? Oh, for them, I think it was the, it was, I figured it out on the last go-round. I just watched it start to finish with my son. And uh, it was the single-minded focus on, we don't give a fuck if this makes any sense, but if it's funny, it goes. That's it. We get a laugh, and I forget where it was. Uh, something in season seven, eight, where you're like, this is just nonsense, but it's fucking funny, and that's enough. That's cool. Nothing else matters. I think I've identified it as Michael Richards' performance. Oh, that, yeah, for sure. 
without that as good as everybody else is. You're 100% that, right. That's why no, you're 100%. I can watch the Kenny Rogers roaster. <laughs> I can watch it again tonight for the 100th oh, time. You're 100%. I was going to do that on laughing. Thanksgiving, man, that roast. Oh, oh yeah. All right, last one. Uh, if we work together, what's something I would hear you say over and over? Do it again. <laughs> oh! <laughs> okay. All right. Now he uh, understands the lightning round. <laughs> <laughs> you could have just done that for the last 20 minutes. One more time. Try it again. One more time. But with more passion. That's great. <laughs> no, that's great. That's great. More oomph. Yeah, no, I love it. Uh, that's good. Yeah, you know what? James taught me that. No, he did because when we, you know, he's he's been doing this show with me now for seven years. Wow! Against his will, uh, at least at the beginning, and uh, and you know we would do intros and and stuff, and I, you know, or I'd have to read ads or whatever, and um, and I'd get through something and feel like, oh, that one was pretty good, and he'd go, do it again, <laughs> and right. and he was right. And he was right, and the, you know, the, the second or the third, or, the, or sometimes maybe the first, but, yeah, yeah, but exactly. you know, Usually sometimes you got to do it. But, you know, it doesn't hurt to have a couple more. You know, Josh, no, you're that absolutely so right. good, I just want to hear it again. Yeah. So that's good, and it reminds me of uh, something I read, now I forget who it was that taught me that, about feedback, because I'm obsessed with how we give and receive feedback in life, because I think it, it affects our lives, and most people are really bad at both sides of that. Mm -hmm. The giving and receiving, and, and I heard an analogy once that was like, most feedback is like this. Sing happy birthday. Okay, now do it better. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Makes sense. I get it. Hey, this is super fucking fun. Thank for you, who? man. Yeah, it was. For James. No, no not for James. <laughs> uh, I mean, for me, I had wine. James, have another glass. And a delicious meal. Uh, we're definitely not doing Rebel Radio anymore without food and wine. That is what I'm talking about. Awesome. Well, thank you for the opportunity. Thank you for hosting. Uh, thank you for thank cooking. Thank you, man. I appreciate it. And uh, yeah, let's do it again. Absolutely. Oh, that was Ramin Sakurai on Rebel Radio. I hope you enjoyed it. I know I did. Uh, I think Dennis and I are going to do some more wine-soaked roundtables. So hopefully you enjoyed this one, and you'll enjoy the next one coming up on Rebel Radio. Peace.